Nyata, hello. It's Alison here from a church in southwest Victoria called Sanctuary. As many of you know, I've spent most of the last two weeks grappling with Victoria's new child safe standards. These 11 standards will come into effect on the 1st of July. They replace the seven standards which currently apply to any organisation which works with or involves children in any way. Now the new standards are highly detailed and prescriptive. The short guide runs to over 40 pages with dozens of dot points of required actions and documentation. Now I'm not a lawyer or a policy wonk, but I'm not an idiot. Yet working through these new standards and drafting the necessary policies and other documents has very nearly crushed me. Don't get me wrong, Child safety is incredibly important to me and to Sanctuary as a whole. Since we began, we've worked to build a safe and participatory culture for people of all ages. We listen to children, we take their comments and their questions seriously. We encourage children's faith stories and testimonies. And in the last few months alone, we've been ministered to by the writing and drawing of half a dozen kids. Our prayer stations are a response to kids' comments, and for example, one kid came up with the idea of the world map, where we pray by sticking post-it notes with our prayers on the relevant country. Our children contribute to the website, they write prayers, they write for the Lent book, and they participate in church reviews. They ask questions and offer insights during our services and they're being asked to decide how to spend some of our annual budget. They are considered in the mechanics of our gatherings, and it might surprise you to learn, in the crafting of our sermons. And they are serious and active participants in our common life. We have also done relevant theological work. Our preaching, our teaching, and I hope our witness have been one of kenosis. Kenosis means self-emptying. We take seriously Jesus' teaching that ministry means service and that those who wish to be first in the kingdom must place themselves last. And so those of us in positions of leadership do not seek to use our power for our own benefit. Instead, we are clearly here to serve more vulnerable folk and that includes children. And we treat this as a whole-of-life demand. Whatever power we have, whether it's because of gender, race, education, or role, or gifts, or personality, or anything else, those of us with power are expected to use it for the benefit of others wherever we go. And this is true whether we're at church, or home, or school, or work, or hockey, or cricket, or anywhere else. We have also done policy and behavioural work. For example, at Sanctuary, no adult may be alone in a room with a child who's not their own. Our code of conduct is provided to all regular attenders and it sets out appropriate behaviours for participants. If people turn up who don't abide by it, they are first taught and then warned and then excluded if necessary. We expect equality between men and women. We expect adults not to lord over children. We expect respectful relationships. 
We build connections across the generations and I very much hope that children feel they can speak to me or another adult here if they feel unsafe at any time, whether at sanctuary or in another area of life. This is all to say that in these and in many other ways, we've done a heap of work towards creating a culture of child safety. And we've done it because we are followers of Jesus. For, as you might remember, he centred a child in the midst of the male disciples, and he admonished them to be similarly humble, which in that day and age meant to be vulnerable and to be powerless. And yet, for all the work we've done, culturally, theologically and administratively, I'm not sure that we can fully satisfy the new standards. They are so detailed and require such high levels of ongoing documentation that they could easily become the main focus of my work. This isn't such a problem for larger hierarchical organisations, which have employees to write policy and train staff and implement the standards. But for smaller churches and for community organisations, they are an enormous administrative burden. And it's a crying shame, because the standards are aiming to bring about a culture change that is both necessary and good. I suspect this situation would feel familiar to the Apostle Paul. Like Jesus and the first disciples, Paul was Jewish. But many early converts, including the people to whom Paul was sent, were Gentiles. Well, this raised a big question. Must Gentiles convert to Judaism in order to follow Jesus? After witnessing the work of the Spirit in uncircumcised Gentiles, and after much consultation and prayer, the conclusion of the early church was clear. No, people did not have to become Jewish in order to follow Jesus. They were simply asked to abstain from eating meat sacrificed to idols, and to abstain from engaging in sexual exploitation. In the Roman province of Galatia, however, there was pushback. Religious leaders had turned up who insisted that converts be circumcised and adopt the Jewish law. So Christ's good news of grace and freedom was being turned into a list of rules and regulations and behavioural codes. And Paul was absolutely furious. You foolish Galatians, he thundered. Why would you give up your freedom and enter the slavery of the law? I wish that those who make you so anxious would castrate themselves, he sputtered. For he knew that the law could not achieve true cultural change. It couldn't transform hearts and minds. It couldn't lead people to inherit God's kingdom. And Paul knew what he was talking about. For most of his life he had been a faithful Jew. And he was a stickler. He'd fulfilled all the rules and regulations and behavioural codes. He had carefully followed all the policies and procedures and engaged in regular self-audits and ticked off every last checkbox. Yet he was haunted by the sense that this had not put him right with God. Something else was needed. Something which couldn't be accomplished by law or by human striving. 
and that something was the grace that he experienced in his encounter with Jesus Christ. And so it's this grace, this freedom in Christ, that Paul urges the Galatians and us to embrace. Rather than insisting that we fulfill all the legal minutiae, Paul recalls us to one thing and one thing only. Through love, become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. And you'll find that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. Paul knew that when we get this right, when we refuse to gratify our lust for power or our selfish desires, and instead when we choose to show a strong and tender love to neighbours young and old, then everything else will flow. We will not be harming our children or anybody else, nor will we countenance their harm. And when we are bearing the Spirit's fruit, that is, when our lives overflow with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control, then we will be a safe community. So, where does that leave us now? Well, I'm not advocating that we ignore or dismiss the new standards. Our situation has echoes of the church in Galatia and its relationship with the Jewish law, but it's not directly equivalent. In our case, I believe that it's important, insofar as we are able, and insofar as it's consistent with the call of Jesus Christ on our lives, that we are good citizens and fulfil the law of the land. Therefore, I've drafted the necessary documents and policies, and I've sent them to the leadership team. This week, they'll be sent to the whole congregation so that those who wish can consider them and comment. The revised documents will go to the leadership team on the 18th of July for final approval, and then they'll be uploaded onto the website for anyone to access. And after that, there will be ongoing implementation and documentation and many other tasks. Having said that, we won't be able to fulfil the law entirely, nor in a timely manner. We had only one month's notice of the fullness of the new standards. With a part-time pastor, a somewhat overwhelmed volunteer leadership team, and no church-specific templates to draw from, we won't have the necessary documents finalised by the 1st of July. And I'm not willing to devote great blocks of my working week or my spare time to compliance and documentation in an ongoing way. I will chip away at these things, of course, but I will not enter into the slavery of the law. Instead, most of my attention will continue to be on the stuff which really matters, and I ask you, to attend to this stuff too, and that is this, to live in the freedom and grace and spirit of Christ. It's to allow ourselves, both as individuals and as a body, to be transformed from the inside out as we do the slow and self-giving work of love. Paul urges the Galatians, if we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. 
Well, may the Spirit's guidance be increasingly evident in the choices we make, in the culture we set, in the fruit that we bear, and in the lives that we lead. And, of course, let it be evident in the ways that we love and treat our children. Come, Holy Spirit, come, and fill us with tenderness and love. Amen. There's always more to read on our website at sanctuarybaptist.org and from about the 19th of July you'll be able to find our child safe policy there which is full of biblical references just for fun. Sanctuary is funded entirely by members and supporters and if you'd like to support the work of this little church you can make a donation via PayPal and you'll find the details for this on the website. This recording was made on the lands of the Pequawarung people of the Eastern Ma Nation, a land which was taken by force and has never been ceded, a land threaded by rivers and bounded by the sea. I pay my respects to elders past and present, who've been singing this land into health over millennia. The peace of the land be with us all. Amen. <laughs>